No credentials. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us here. And today we're discussing album number 20 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 album list. This is Kid A by Radiohead. I think most of the albums that we have reviewed for the first time on this 2020 list have had a guest with us, and uh, today's album review is no exception. We're excited to have Cam with us today. Um, A little bit of a background here. Um, If you are a longtime listener, you may remember uh, my friend Kelly Dowd joined us all the way back at number 49 on the 2012 list when we reviewed the Allman Brothers Band and their uh, live record at Fillmore East. I think that was um, one of the only live albums that we re- that we covered in the old mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. Uh, before we got the rug pulled out from under us. <laughs> and uh, during that conversation, or maybe after we'd finished recording, um, uh, Kelly said, if you ever get to do Radiohead, uh, my boyfriend Cam would be a good fit. And so um, that's, that's basically drawn us to today. The reshuffle, the re-rank, switch things around um at Fillmore East is now all the way down at 105 uh poor Kelly uh and Kid A jumped quite a lot up the the ranking from 67 to 20 so suddenly we get to have Cam a whole lot sooner than we thought we would so Cam thanks so much for taking the time to be here with us and to have a conversation about this album um we don't know very much about you but we know that you love this record and so we're excited to tackle it with you is Kelly there? Do I hear her? Can you hear her now? <laughs> yeah. I have like a handful of bacon. <laughs> That's a good thing um, to be caught in the middle of, I guess. Right. <laughs> How you guys been? I'm doing okay. Yeah. I, um, you know, not a whole lot has changed, I guess, since we last spoke. We, we, were, we spoke like during the pandemic, right? Yeah, it was like the very beginning. Time kind of blurs all together. But <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Early Earlier this year, I guess. I guess that's yeah. Right. yeah. I haven't checked the list. Is, is that album even on there anymore? It still is. I was just actually okay. checking that myself. 105. Okay. That's decent. I'm pretty bitter about like White Stripes uh, not really making the list. No Jack White stuff. I'm pretty, yeah. I, think, I believe they were snubbed is how I feel about it. Uh, yeah, White Blood <laughs> Cells got knocked off and Elephant got knocked down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, too bad. Ooh. Somehow, Fifty Cent is better than White Stripes. <laughs> I'm still like really better. <laughs> you know what? In preparation for our recent uh, Kendrick Lamar review, which is outside mm. of both our wheelhouses, I, I <laughs> so watched a decent number of YouTube videos of other artists talking about Kendrick Lamar, and often when they were talking about greatest albums in that genre, Fifty Cent would get referenced, and I kind mm. of had dismissed him too as like. Uh, you know, it's like he exploded onto the scene and um, people kind of thought he's ridiculous and no one cares anymore. But apparently he's still kind of a big deal in certain in certain spaces. Mm. I don't know. I guess I could give it a listen, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there would or... be people who would say the White Stripes are just a couple of people who can't really play their instruments shouting and making loud mm. noises. So. Mm, my brother would say that, yeah. You better be careful what you say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cool. Well, it's awesome. good to talk to you guys. I'm going yeah, to got bacon in my hand, so. Thank you. Thank you. You, you got to take, take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. For sure. It's good to talk to y'all. You bet. Yeah, you too. Good to hear from you. We often will ask people to introduce themselves. So after that quick reconnect with Kelly, um, uh, how do you introduce yourself to people if they ask you who you are? Well, obviously, my name is Ken. Thanks for having me here today. Um, Absolutely. I'm pretty big music head. Um, you know, I usually get along with people that listen to good music. Uh, <laughs> my variety is pretty wide. Um, you know, anything from disco to rock to some hip-hop older hip-hop um but yeah um i am located in michigan 
And thanks again for having me here. You know, this is great. Absolutely. We will, um, at some point, we'll dive into where we first uh, uncovered this album, how we came to know it. Um, But Mike, what do you think? Should we start with some details first and then we'll get into our our first experiences and and how it became uh, an album that we had listened to? Yeah, let's do some details first and we'll dive into it. Details, 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 details. So Kid A was released October 2nd in the year 2000, so it's now over 20 years old. Uh, We all get to feel a little older. (laughs) Um, uh, Is written by uh, Radiohead. Radiohead is credited on every track, uh, one of those bands that share the credits. Um, It charted very well, charted number one in the U.S., U.K., Canada, France, Ireland, and New Zealand. And sales are more than three million. Uh, platinum in the U.S., U.K., and Canada. And a little, a little bit of kind of historical notes about the charting. Uh, this was Radiohead's first number one album in the U.S. They hadn't had a number one in the U.S. yet, and it sold over two hundred and seven thousand copies in the first week. So wow. very well, right off the presses. Um, at the turn of the decade, Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, and the Times all ranked Kid A as uh, the greatest album from the 2000s decade, the first decade of this century. In the new 2020 list, Rolling Stone describes this album as a new, uniquely fearless kind of rock record for a new, increasingly fearful century. It remains one of the more stunning sonic makeovers in music history, and I really like the way they coin it there. We're going to talk a little more, more about what that means uh, when we get into some of these songs. Um after their previous album, which was OK Computer, they were all really burnt out. Uh, Tom York was having a lot of, I think, just personal difficulties and, and feeling disillusioned with modern rock music. He wanted to move away from melody and focus on rhythm. You can really hear that as we listen through this album. Um, and then another interesting thing, of course, they they used the internet to promote this album. But three weeks before it was released, Kid A was leaked online and was shared on Napster. And um, also and, dating it slightly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so three three weeks before it came out, and uh, unlike some of the other bands who were outraged by this, uh, Tom York said that Napster encourages enthusiasm for music in a way the music industry has long forgotten to do. And even mm. their uh, their record la- the, the the sorry the CEO of Capital at the time said. Um, my job is to sell records. And if I worried about what Napster was doing every day, I wouldn't be selling records. <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't seem overly concerned at the time and even thought it was a good thing. Um, and uh, finally, this album, uh, you can hear a lot of different influences. It was inspired by many different genres outside of rock and roll, including, including electronic, jazz, abstract hip-hop, and... A genre I just learned of today, or at least the name, is Krautrock. Ben, have you heard of Krautrock before? No. So this is... Uh, German rock? Yes. Uh, early <laughs> German uh, electronica from like the late 60s into the 70s and 80s. The one band I had heard of was Kraftwerk um, and some other bands that were experimenting with electronica. Uh, some of them still performing to this day, but through the, in the seventies. So, and you hear a lot of that through this album too. So mm-hmm. the different mm-hmm. electronic influences. So, um, you know me, I love discussing uh, album artwork and I got, I want to say right off the hop, being not familiar with this album really. Cause I, this is one I didn't pick up. I wasn't really big into Radiohead in the, on the nineties and 2000. I had some friends who were like, I, I had one friend who was really into the Benz. It's one of her favorite albums. Um, so I wasn't familiar with this artwork. Is this one, I mean, Cam, this is a favorite of yours. Ben, was this one you recognized the artwork? Boy, yeah, this is a hard one for me because this is an album that I would have flipped through in CD bins. And I don't think I ever owned it, but it was always one that like, I thought about maybe adding to my collection. I owned a couple of other Radiohead albums. So it's hard for me to remember a time where I didn't know this album cover and what it meant. Uh, and for those ones, it's really hard to sort of separate that and say, how iconic is it? Um, yeah, the artwork was always pretty interesting to me. Um, 
Yeah. You know, it has the mountains. And then I guess if you look even closer and start looking even more, you know, there's fire coming out of the mountains yeah. in the background. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was different, you know, different than some of their other album artwork. The way that I kind of, you know, interpreted just kind of getting ready for the journey to listen to the album, you know, which is always a fun journey listening to it from yeah. start to finish. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it can, I guess you can think of it different ways. I kind of pretty chaotic album, different, you know, a lot different than most of their other albums. So it was, it was, I enjoy the artwork. Um, I feel yeah. like it speaks yeah. quite a bit, you know, the, uh, the lines at the bottom almost make it look like a, uh, early nineties video game when you would scroll out of the area you were supposed to be <laughs> yeah. in There's like something going on with the contrast there at the yeah. bottom that it sort of looks like an image on a, uh, you know, like a lake or something like that at the bottom of the mountains, but it also just looks like something got distorted there in the bottom That's of the question. image. And I, I didn't do my research to know, um, who created right, this yeah. or if there's some intentionality behind that or, um, you know, if it's it, I, it may just even be a painting where the artist intentionally put those in. But something about it feels digital, I think, because of those lines in there. You know, it looks pretty digital, which it's a pretty, you know, in my opinion, a pretty digital album. It was just completely different. You know, the album's different. The artwork's different. You know, it, it yeah. it's just, you know, it's pretty interesting, you know. Yeah, um, Tom York was involved in creating it with artist Stanley Donwood, and he... Uh, worked on them even sorry he worked with them even on their ep my my iron lung uh, back in 94 so he was working with them even back then um i i find it very abstract especially near the bottom half and i think that pairs very well with the music um and some of their i mean their previous album okay computer is much more uh not like it's abstract, but it's it's more photographic. Where this is more, mm-hmm. uh, more digital. Uh, that has a lot of you know images that are kind of blended together. This is more kind of d- digital. Yeah, it does look like like really bad graphic arts from the early '90s. But but there's something very intentional about it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which again pairs with the music, which is, as you said, Kim. Uh, chaotic at times but extremely intentional like i listened to it oh i guess i shouldn't get into it yet <laughs> <I'm jumping laughs> uh, anyways um we'll skip that and then i was surprised when i looked up the album because i remember very vividly uh this bizarre like on tv when they were uh promoting this album i remember seeing it uh little ads between music videos. Uh, we didn't have MTV in Canada. We had something called much music. So I'm watching much music and, uh, this bizarre cat bear figure kind of growing in the screen and flashing black and white. And they used, so I, and I learned today that they did use that, which has become, and I'm not sure when they started using it exactly, but it become kind of their logo is this bear, uh, this kind of almost demonic looking bear cat thing. Um, and they start. They were using it a lot in the promotion, which is interesting because it doesn't. I I kind of expected when I looked this album cover up to see that there because I saw it so much when they were promoting it. But they used it there, but it's not on the the artwork. So maybe it's on the inside, but mm. I don't think so. Mm. Um. Anyways, so we've got the bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you get Tolkien references when you look at this? Uh, I, I think with the fire on the top yeah. of the mountain and the. Like, Almost like comically pointy mountaintops. Uh, something about it just makes me think of a Tolkien landscape, um, but which maybe mixes well with the sort of like, uh, like you were talking about, the chaotic kind of landscape of, of the sound of the album as well. Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. The blackened sky yeah. too, I guess. So yeah, I feel like when you first glance at it, you know, it's it's bright, it's white looking and then you just look kind of in the background it's like you know who knows yeah. what's going on back Something, there yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very very yeah. ominous very ominous in the background for sure yeah, yeah i like yeah. It. it 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 is good so cam we've got some details out of the way we set we've set the table here this is a background but we really want to hear uh some of your experience so when how did you come upon this album were you already a radiohead fan uh was this a new album uh and do you remember when it first came out uh, share with us uh, that time it was actually one of the first albums that i listened to um 
I remember hearing, you know, some of the things from OK Computer here and there from friends and whatnot. Um, but I was just kind of introduced by a friend at school. Um, and, you know, one night we were just hanging out and he put on Kid A and I was already pretty heavily into electronic music. I still loved rock, classic rock, all kinds of rock. But when he put it on, it was, you know, when I thought of Radiohead, because I had heard of them, I was like, I didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. um, so it always, you know, immediately it just kind of intrigued me like, wow, you can kind of mix, you know, you're used to hearing guitars, but then you start hearing synths in this album. Um, and it just kind of got me hooked, you know, and it was kind of like how I said earlier, just kind of a journey listening to it from start to finish. You know, I, you can kind of just really feel it, you know, whatever Tom was going through or, you know, it was just very, it, it was just, it was great. You know, it was always an experience listening to it. Um, yeah. So that is definitely the album that kind of got me into it. Uh, that was probably around 2005. I was still in high school. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it just kind of was like, wow, these guys can kind of, you know, and then I started listening to other music like, wow, this is really good too. And like, wow, these guys can almost do everything, you know? Some of the albums sounded different, you know, they're touching completely different genres in some of their music, you know, it just was super intriguing. So that's kind of when, you know, I became obsessed. There's a piece about them, um, and we can talk more about this later, I guess, but that they're, because their albums sort of paint uh, a soundscape, it's, it's not necessarily music that's uh, radio friendly. There are certainly some, some tracks that have done well on radio, but like, once you sort of press play on the album, it takes you on a bit of a journey. Um, and I like what you said. I, I love that this was your first album because it, to me, really feels like an album. Like, I, it's hard for me to separate these songs out. It, 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 it makes me think of a number of the albums that we've already tackled, but almost feels a little bit like uh, some of the jazz records that we've, that we've covered where, like, the, the artist sort of paints a picture for you and takes you on a journey through the album um sort of a, has a clear beginning and an end and uh uh that's very different i think than a lot of the music that we are introduced to earlier in our lives which often come from like the, the radio hits that we like um at least for those of us who grew up in an era of of buying <laughs> albums at the store you know you'd often buy an album based on the radio hits and maybe skip right ahead to those tracks and maybe not listen to the rest of the album uh, if you didn't like the the others as as well but but Radiohead takes you on a journey and sort of makes you invest in the whole um, in a way that I think a lot of bands uh, aren't even thinking about when they're creating something um, for me this is not an album that I had in my collection as I already referenced but I am a huge fan of OK Computer and uh, I think in that sort of Napster area, I probably would have had this on my computer at some point. Um, so it's got a familiarity, even though it wasn't one that like I, I had in playing in the car or, or had sort of as a regular part of my listening rotation. Um, there's, there's a feeling here that, that makes me feel like I'm revisiting an old friend. I haven't really been into Radiohead for a number of years, but but man, it doesn't take me long to sort of get right back into that space and, and feel it all over again. Um, that's a little bit of a different journey than you. Is that right, Mike? Yeah, this is brand new for me. And like I said, I, I haven't owned any Radiohead albums. And I was trying to figure out why nothing on this album was familiar at all. I thought, well, haven't I heard a single song? And then doing a little research, they didn't release any singles for this album. It mm. was one of the first albums that was by, by a big act that was really using the internet to promote it uh it was made available to stream and of course we talked about it being leaked uh, so um they didn't they didn't do any singles or music videos uh which is very interesting and, and does explain why <laughs> none of it was familiar but i um yeah. one thing i do remember is at the end of the year our local uh like alternative rock radio station in toronto uh the edge was doing like a countdown of the 100 best albums of the year like just that year uh the year of 2000 
which is pretty cool that there was that much music being produced back then. <laughs> um, still, it's almost like going back to like the late sixties <laughs> to have that many. Yeah. But um, I remember they got down to number one, and before they said they got to number one, I very vividly remember I said, um, "Before we tell you what number one is, we're going to tell you that half of you are going to love it, and half of you are going to hate it." <laughs> and I thought, oh, geez, what is it? I said, Radiohead's Kid A. And I mean, I wasn't familiar, but I was familiar with some of their previous stuff. And, um, but I never really, over all these years, never really dug into it. Now that listening to it, I understand that comment a lot more. And I can understand that a lot of people, even you, Cam, expected something different when you first heard it. I imagine a lot of their fans expected something different. And I know that uh, many people have been kind of split over this album, although over the years, I think it's really grown on even the fans who maybe didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, but yeah, it's brand new for me, which is, is always so exciting when I get to listen to something new. Sometimes a little embarrassing when I listen to something that I think I should have already heard. <laughs> like, oh, shoot, I should have been listening to this all along. But um, no, brand new for me. And it was uh, the word that keeps coming up is journey. It definitely is a journey uh, for sure. Um, Cam, you uh, you got to see them after you you were ex- exposed to this album um tell us a little bit about that experience um yeah it was actually probably within a year of finding out about them um a um, couple friends and i actually went to bonnaroo that year uh it was 2006 oh fun um tons of fun it was my first festival as well too so it was it was great um and watching them live that was my first time seeing them live it was i mean almost indescribable um Mm. it was much different you know because they played you know some okay computer you know they played a little bit of everything i think they played a little bit of kid a but even just seeing um kind of how we said you know how different it is them kind of transitioning to moving different instruments on the stage when they're performing a kid a, a kid a track mm. um it was it was uh magical i guess you could say um so it's definitely a memory that always stuck with me uh with it being my first and it was just a great performance um and it lasted a long time uh, it was a little bit over i think i feel like about two and a half hours the track wow. list was massive wow um, you know, which doesn't always happen, you know, in a festival, you know, they might get an hour, hour and a half or so, right. but they, they had played a good two and a half hours and it was, wow. it was great. Um, you know, it was actually, I was, uh, looking up something not too long ago and it's actually to date one of their longest performances. Oh, wow. Um, I think it oh, was wow. about 29 tracks that they played. It was, <laughs> it was up there. Um. So yeah, it was it was it was a a wonderful experience. Um, so you know, anyone that hasn't seen you know, and then seeing Radiohead live is always a completely different experience than you know just listening right. to the album. It's you know, it, it, and you can kind of just you know, with Tom being on stage, it's just it's it's great, <laughs> basically. Sum it up. <laughs> When Kelly was on, we talked, I think for the first time on this podcast, about kind of the jam band music mm-hmm. culture and scene. Um, th- I, I don't know this about Radiohead. Do they have a similar kind of vibe? Like, do people collect bootleg per, uh, recordings of specific shows and uh, follow it in that sort of way, in the same way that, that jam bands have that dynamic? Um, Maybe. Uh, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's a whole, you know, it's just the whole performance, you know, it's just, yeah, it's unreal. Um, I imagine Tom York to be a little unpredictable that yeah. you, you kind of don't know what you're going to get. You just kind of got that. Uh, and now you've seen them more than once. Did you kind of get a different, you have mentioned this, that it's kind of different every time. Is he, is he very different every time? Yeah. You can kind of always almost just predict, you know, well, the, well, the way he's performing, you know, his mood, you know, sometimes right. it's, 
he's kind of just standing, you know, sometimes he um, is kind of going wild. You can kind of, you know, that's what I've always kind of liked Radiohead and, and just Tom York as a musician, you know, it's very, you know, his music that he always kind of puts out is pretty heartfelt and you can kind of feel kind of maybe what he's going through and, or just, you know, just kind of some type of realness. So, you know, that's another thing that's always drawn me to Radiohead as well. Um, hmm. Even his kind of solo, you know, type con- uh, things, you know, have always been pretty great. It's really cool. Do there's tracks here that um, have extended parts with no um, no lyrics at all. Uh, does the band improvise on stage when you see them live? Do they do they take those long periods without uh, anything being sung and kind of uh, play with the music at all? Is it a different kind of? It, it usually is, honestly. Yeah, I mean the ones without lyrics. Um, you know, without them talking, they can, you know, it's always, you know, when they've performed uh, certain tracks without lyrics, you know, it's almost kind of a different, sometimes it's a lot different than the last time, you know, maybe it's almost like they might be just experimenting and just trying new things. You know, no one's kind of focusing on singing, Um, you know, they're up there with the synths and controllers and things like that. So they're kind of just having fun and, Hmm. you know, maybe they, uh, maybe kind of correlate it with kind of the vibe that the show is already kind of going with and kind of go from that, you know, it's always pretty unpredictable sometimes, which is great. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. That, and we don't always get to talk about, talk with a guest about some of the live experiences. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Cause I think that really goes yeah. hand in hand with the feel here. Um, I, I wanted to make just a, one general comment that I've, was kind of holding on to from earlier everything about this uh, this recording feels very intentional even in some of the kind of those extended sections ben where it's a little repetitive and there's no lyrics it it feels very very intentional like every single millisecond was planned nothing was an accident um and uh one thing that that i want you to comment on cam uh and something that's noted about this album is they really moved away from being guitar driven to being more, uh, not, not turning into an electronic band, but having this album be very uh, synth driven uh, and electronically driven. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, this was your first foray into kid a, so it's not like you were a fan of their guitar sound first and then this, but how do you feel about, just the direction this album takes in that regard. Uh, I think it, oh, you know, for me, it always took the, the a great direction. You know, I, it was, you know, interesting hearing their other stuff and then, you know, them doing this, you know, and, and kind of what I've read over the years and, you know, how with them producing the album, they kind of struggled a bit, um, kind of getting into sync with each other, mm. kind of doing something new and things like that. But the, it was, you know, for a band that normally plays a certain way and to kind of put something out like this, it was, you know, it, it kind of was almost like refreshing that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't need to always sound the same. You know, it right. doesn't need to always mm-hmm. have, you know, this sort of sound. You know, it was kind of interesting with them just kind of experimenting with something new and it turning out so great. It, 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 uh... It made me appreciate it even more, you know. Great direction, definitely. Ben, when you, um, I don't know if you remember the first time you heard it, but listen to it again, Ben, was there anything that jumped out at you this time as being surprising or something you really, really enjoyed or didn't expect? Maybe because I wasn't as familiar with this album, but I was surprised by how much uh, sort of long drawn out contemplative music there mm. was um something that i think i i've knocked a few of the albums we've listened to so far for having <laughs> uh you know like i think that was my big critique about uh dark side of the moon you know is that like uh i i 
was appreciative of the quality of the music and but that, that there are songs that could be half as long if they just cut out some of the um, <laughs> stuff. And, and, you know, Kid A is sort of that as well, right? Like it's people experimenting with sound and, and, and taking you through different patterns, just changing notes slightly. Um, I guess as a high school and college student, I was much more into that than I am today because <laughs> uh, I didn't have a problem with it back then. Um, this this album is a bit more experimental, I think, than Kid A. Uh, and so perhaps I gravitated to something that was a bit more radio friendly than um, than focusing on this album. But yeah, that, that, that sort of surprised me. I... I, I I'm not surprised to hear you say there were no singles, but I, I think I too also thought like, oh, so this is going to have probably a couple of radio tracks that I'm really um, remember getting a lot of play. That's not really the case. There's a few familiar songs, but I'm pretty sure those are only familiar because I had it, you know, illegally downloaded on my computer <laughs> um, and enjoyed listening to it that way. Um, so those were all surprises. Uh, I'm pretty sure that optimistic if you played that song for me separately i would have put it on another radiohead album for some reason there are a couple of tracks where i think it belongs somewhere else but not to say that it doesn't sound like it fits here i think i just assumed that i knew that track from one of their other uh, albums so um yeah it, it's been an interesting interesting journey i'm I, I think i'm in my own head wondering like what it was that caused me never to, to buy this and maybe it was simply that with the uh, onslaught of uh, the gray market for music the I guess technically the black market with Napster um, you know I probably uh, entered into my consciousness about the same time that I had my own computer uh, faster uh, download space with being at college and uh and access to <laughs> way more music than I ever knew what to do with. Didn't you have a, ser a server where everybody everybody could just share their whole hard yeah. drive? Yeah, so if, you, if your computer was on the, the university network, there was kind of a shared folder, I think, set up for people to share project files and, and things like that for different classes, but it, it ended up being like where we would go to stash music and uh and tv shows that we were downloading and um you know like you'd get together with your friends and be like okay so i made this new folder let's see if we can get all the seinfeld episodes uh, downloaded into there over the next couple of months and like you, know, you take season one two and three and i'll work on the rest of so um yeah there was there's a couple of moments like that where i think i added a whole bunch of music to my awareness just because it was there and it was free um for better or for worse right uh i i kept asking myself as i listened to this album if i had put it on in 2000 when it came out if i would have enjoyed it and if it would have been one that would have become a favorite or if i would have kind of discarded it at the time and uh i i can't decide i think a part of me would have really really liked it because it was a little different i did i was intrigued by the the things the electronic things that were happening i never really really got into it but i always found it interesting and i think this is just the right the right amount that i think i would have really liked it um the one thing that really jumped out to me listening to it um especially on first track that i noticed at big time is a third track the national anthem is the drum the drum beats this really sounds like a lot of the stuff that uh, you heard in the 90s uh, a lot of fills in between you know the four four timing uh you hear a lot of that on like smashing pumpkins just a lot of uh rolls and and other things happening really complex beats and patterns from the drummer along with some of the electronic things they're doing not to mention the way they play with irregular time signatures. Uh, the I mean, the opening track, uh, everything in its right place. It really, boy, it it's it's been stuck in my head many different times over the last few weeks. And it's, I think the signature to me, the signature song on the album, personally. It, there, 
there are other really really good ones but it just it really comes out and grabs you i think that is mm-hmm. is phrased kind of it's in beats of it's in bars of 10 it, it's kind of like two fours four four and two <laughs> but uh it's really in tens and then there's other ones that are in five and they they really play around with timing and that adds to the creativity of what the drummer can do uh playing around with those irregular time signatures really really interesting it's something that jumped out at me uh as a, an album that not is really a straightforward rock album there's some really creative rock drumming in it yeah i think this was an um probably the the pinnacle of my active participation in music <laughs> it was college where i was uh you know i regularly pull out my guitar to play I, I did a little bit of like praise and worship stuff uh you know when i was home i'd jam with with you mike and with some other mm. friends and i i think music like this that was sort of experimental um made me feel like i had a musical credibility just for owning it <laughs> like because you know i was able to like at least, uh you know think beyond the norm when it came to what music could be uh, if i had something like a radiohead album in my collection and so i think i think there was an element of uh our musical enjoyment at, at times that would have been really proud to have an album that had weird stuff on it like this um I, it may not even have been something that I necessarily enjoyed, but felt like an ego trip just just to have it and claim it as my own. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. When I was in college, I think my third year, I had a roommate who was a, a big music fan and introduced me to a lot of different things. But one of the things he was into was uh, modern ambient music. And when I listened to Tree Fingers on this album, it really reminded me of a lot of the ambient music we listened to together. I'm thinking of acts hmm. like uh, Brian Eno, and um, I'm probably not pronouncing this one, but I remember it from back in the day. Uh, Sigur Ross, S I G U R R O S. I don't know if you guys know yeah. that at all. Um, yeah. But I'm hearing, I'm hearing these kind of. Uh, there's not even a, a, a really strong meter in that song. Um, like the first track has a very definite rhythm and meter, but Tree Fingers is way more ambient. And that was the first time that I was introduced to music uh, without meter, which was really challenging for me. Uh, it, it almost like uh, I, I was skeptical <laughs> to even call it music for a time because so i was like you can't you can't yeah. have music without meter without any timing at all like just sounds um <laughs> and then but then on this album you've got you've got that in tree fingers it's just very very ambient really and you could again hearing the influence that they pull that one is very obviously paired with that style but even in other stuff so that was one other thing that i'm hearing these ambient things um and a few of the tracks, even some of their more guitar-driven, like uh, like Optimistic, I'm hearing what would eventually be one of my favorite bands, which is Coldplay. And I know that they've been, you've mentioned this to me before, Ben, they've been criticized as kind of taking some of the best aspects of Radiohead and, and, and <laughs> putting it into <laughs> putting it into their music. But I'm really hearing a lot of that in this as, as an inspiration. Um, not only the guitar stuff, but also the ambient, because Coldplay, especially as they've evolved, use a lot of ambient sounds in their music. So it was Fox News, uh, most recently, perhaps, that claimed Radiohead is the poor man's Coldplay, what? and uh, wow. gave a <laughs> really, <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, Coldplay and Radiohead both, I think, have responded to that tweet with some humor of their own, just sort of like poking fun at this conservative news outlet for, for saying something so ridiculous like that <laughs> is that recent i think that was yeah it's it's been a couple of years ago oh. now i think it was um yeah not not super oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned tree fingers the ambient definitely the most ambient sounding track on the album for sure always kind of drew me kind of towards it it's just very 
it's just got this spacey sounding vibe to it um you know and almost kind of for me kind of way i interpreted it just kind of going with the album artwork kind of just like you're kind of wandering and you know kind of lost in kind of a sense it was just very you know without even any words too you know you definitely got a certain kind of feeling listening to it um and felt a certain way um and it definitely sounds you know much different than pretty much all of their music you know that that track definitely always stood out for the way it sounded yeah it's very it's very peaceful um and it's it's quite a break in between some of their other stuff i mean uh you know you're coming down it's like you have to gear down from the national anthem (laughs) to how to disappear completely and then to tree fingers you can't you couldn't jump from <laughs> the first to the third there because it's, but it's, I, I'm always impressed how bands construct these albums. And I know sometimes they don't have a say in the, the order that the songs go, but I think a lot of times they do. And certainly I can see a band like Radiohead and Tom York at the helm, definitely structuring how these tracks appear here. Um, I find it amazing how they weave them all because they're very different. And this is this is one I was very surprised to hear a song like this on this album. Absolutely, definitely jumped out. Um, and it's a uh, it's a pause, you know, it's a pause in the, right in the middle of the album. Just it's great. Yeah, I kind of feel like you know starting off with everything in its right place kind of starts you know a little bit faster. And, you know, it kind of kind of just how we were saying that journey, you know, kind of starts a certain way, kind of lets you breathe for a minute, um, <laughs> you know, and then kind of builds it back up with kind of finishing up the album. Um, yeah, it's great. It's definitely uh, an album that, you know, when I, I guess when I introduce someone to it, um, you know, why don't you listen to the whole thing? You know, you'll probably get a much different perception than just throwing on a track or two, listen mm-hmm. to it from start to finish and you know, almost kind of tells a story, you know, so it's, you know, really interesting for a rock, you know, kind of a rock album, um, supposedly rock at the, you know, much different, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> you know, you kind of get that sometimes from certain electronic music, it's kind of, it's got its, you know, peak, low, high, you know, so it was, you know, kind of pretty interesting how they did it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that kind of list. You've got to listen to it as a whole. And Ben, since you've already referenced Pink Floyd in this conversation, we, we worked with a guy just out of high school and we asked him uh, what his favorite Pink Floyd song was. And he said, uh, well, I can't listen to songs. I only listen to Pink Floyd in albums. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and right. this is this is definitely one of those albums where, yeah, it's hard to. And I know for I, I don't know both you guys feel this way, but I I find it hard to listen to a whole album start to finish. It's hard to find that time. Uh, you know, especially you can't just you know a house full of people. You can't just plug in and disappear for fifty minutes. <laughs> so it was hard. On, I mean, it was right. hard to listen to this all the way through every time usually it was maybe only three or four tracks at a time. So I did feel that that I didn't prefer to listen to it that way. It was nice to try. I think one time I got to do the whole thing and that was, yeah, it feels good. It feels right. It's also uh, melancholy enough that I need to watch like what kind of mood I want to be mm. in while I'm navigating it. Like it's not something I can, um, put on while I'm doing housework or, or making dinner or something like that. Uh, I mean, I could, but I think it'll, it will bring me down to a sort of more melancholy space. And I'm not always interested in that while I'm <laughs> doing other tasks. So I think just because of like what it, what it's, com- how it's composed, I have to like be careful when I, when I play Radiohead because uh, I know it's going to transport me to kind of a different different feeling, different space. I mean, we just talked about that with, with Kendrick Lamar that, um, you know, there's, there's an intensity to that album that, that I know is like, it's challenging me with almost every, every lyric and I need to like give it the proper attention it deserves. Radiohead, I just know that like, I'm going to be swept up in sort of the feeling <laughs> of the album and it's going to take me to, to uh, a different kind of place as well. 
Yeah, it's kind of how, you know, one of you guys mentioned earlier, you know, it's not always really the album that, you know, if I'm driving around doing errands, chances are I probably won't go Kid A on, you know, I'm listening to something different. Um, So it was always, uh, you know, the right kind of setting, um, you know, usually at my house, maybe kids are kid is asleep you know you definitely kind of need to prepare especially if you want to listen to the album in full you know to kind of just sit down and listen to it you know um because it, it kind of has a certain effect and some of their music has kind of that certain effect where it can kind of kind of steer you a certain way you know and kind of how you're feeling or you know maybe the mood that you're in so you know definitely agree with that <laughs> It's also, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you, Cam. Um, Mike and I have admitted many times that we're not like lyric first kind of people. I don't know that Radiohead is necessarily lyric first in the creation of their music. Um, I think you can get a feel for a song without even really knowing what Tom York is going on and on about. Um, uh, you know, you pull out a, a word or two that they maybe hold on to in the song. But <laughs> to me, I, like, I don't, I don't listen to this thinking the, about the sort of lyric poetic poetry it's not like a Joni Mitchell album where I'm like wow so many layers to that verse like I almost don't even know what they're singing about sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was kind of the lyrics are kind of a little bit stand out on this one for me um but not so much you know I feel like I don't feel like they're normally like a lyric first you know maybe it's just kind of how he's feeling in that moment um you know, but it, it, it uh, the lyrics kind of went with it, you know, it's a, it's a fairly sad album. That's, I would consider yeah. sad. Well, I, I kind of would just consider it sad in a sense. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and it, and it, it, it it's, uh, you know, the lyrics on it kind of go along, go along with that. And just the ambient sounding, you know, can kind of go either way but once you put the lyrics in it it kind of does kind of steer it in the sad route um and it's kind of just that you know the start middle kind of high low you know and you can kind of tell how as the album goes you know it it it, you know it gets kind of dark it gets pretty spacey some some parts of happiness however you want to interpret it i feel like with radiohead they've kind of been a band you know, they might not say, okay, well, this song means this, you know, they kind of leave it for a lot of people to, you know, feel however you want to feel, because it can kind of be relevant and feel really good or really, you know, bad in some kind of way. So that's kind of why, you know, I feel like Tom doesn't really say all the time, you know, what this, you know, kind of just, you know, interpret it the way you want to, which is always kind of fun too, you know, because it can change. Sometimes this album is, an album I want to listen to um, when I'm in a certain mood, and other times this is, you know, probably the last album I want to listen to when I'm in that certain yeah. mood. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, if you've listened before, you might know that we have a Spotify playlist, the Sound Logic favorites, and we like to get our guests to pick a couple tracks that are their favorites from each album we review. Cam, I'm wondering if you could talk about one or two of your favorite tracks or more and then uh, uh, when you've done that why don't you pick uh, two that we can put on our playlist uh, from this album um awesome well I would probably start with uh, I'm pretty sure most people pronounce it idiotech okay one of the last uh, kind of a funny way of spelling it or but uh that would probably be one of my favorite ones on the album um, it kind of you know, when I kind of introduce the album to someone, it's usually one of the first tracks I play. It um, was pretty, you know, pretty fast sounding song. Um, the lyrics, you know, I don't really look much into their lyrics, but the lyrics on this one was interesting and actually kind of goes with the the uh, album art. Uh, you know, him mentioning Ice Age coming, you know, and fire and, you know, it kind of <laughs> it kind of went along with that. Um, you know, for the ones that have seen them live, Tom always acts a certain way when he plays this track live. Um, kind of like an awkward dancing, pretty wild, um, 
I don't like he's losing his mind. You know, whenever this track, whenever he plays this track, when I've seen him play live, um, you know, and it kind of just sums up the album in a sense, you know, kind of like a climax of the album. Um, so I would definitely have to pick that one. That one, that one always stood out to me. That one was uh, kind of one of the tracks that always kind of sounded much, much, much different than a lot of their other music that they had put together. I like that choice. That's uh, a song that definitely stands out for me as well. Um, any others that, that come to mind right away? Um, yeah, probably completely different vibe, but how to disappear completely. Um, it's, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty, yeah, it's, it's really different. It's, uh, one of the more, I guess, sadder sounding, uh, tracks on the album, even just the title name. Right, um, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not sure maybe how, you know, what kind of what he was feeling in that moment, but, you know, it, it, it's definitely a track that stands out um, to me. And, you know, that's definitely another track that uh, kind of pulled me in, kind of made me curious, you know, like, wow, this guy is, you know, this is, this is pretty wild, you know, this is intense. So mm-hmm. it's definitely another track that I would recommend to add to the playlist. Cool. I've got them both there awesome. now. Thanks yeah, for kinda, the suggestion. Yeah, kind of gives you a completely different vibe and kind of kind of show you like, wow, this you know this album is kind of all over the place. So, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben, did you have a favorite song? Uh, you don't get to add one, but uh, <laughs> you can talk about it. Did you have a? Did you? Is there one song that kind of? Well, the the opening track, I I agree. It sort of draws you right into the album in a pretty powerful way. Uh, I, I don't get much out of tree fingers, the sort of, I think it's just a genre that I don't feel terribly familiar in. Um, but optimistic that follows. I, I really like that one. Um, kind of pulls me back to what I think Radiohead should be. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny to say that, right. Cause they're, they're willing to experiment just about every time they release an album. But I think I must have like a platonic ideal of Radiohead somewhere in my mind of what I think it should sound like. Um, so those are probably the tracks that, that would jump out to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with the everything in its right place. There's just something about it. Um, there's a lot are really good. I, I love the I love the distorted uh bass sound in the national anthem it really reminded me again of of earlier not only earlier radiohead but earlier 90s rock um and grunge uh really really cool i i think they do just i i've said this before i know but they do just enough of that slightly earlier feel uh to make it familiar and then enough of kind of a newer sound to make it fresh uh, and experimental. I think it's a really good blend. Um, but yeah, the, these uh, all the tracks are really good in really different ways. Uh, it's, it's so diverse. <laughs> yeah, they, they're they all they it. hit yeah. they hit on different levels, and then I think it's another mark of a of a great album. Yeah. Always challenge our uh, ourselves and our and our guests when we talk about this. Uh, we've talked about some albums that are really really old. And then we've talked about, uh, in our last episode, an album that's only five years old. Now here we have an album somewhere in the middle, a 20-year-old album. And we ask, is it still relevant? Um, And I want to start with you, Cam. How do you feel about the relevancy of this album? We've talked about how it was kind of groundbreaking, uh, but also very different and broke away from their old style. Uh, But how does it stand up today in 2020? Uh, What do you think? Oh, I'd say it's still pretty relevant, you know, with it being so different. Um, You know, I always think it's great when artists are trying new things, Um, you know, especially in, I feel like, the year that we've all had (laughs) in 2020. Um, You know, it's a pretty chaotic album. It's, you know, some of the tracks almost sound apocalyptic in a way. Um, you know, and it just kind of real and, you know, Tom's lyrics sometimes are sort of political, which in some of the tracks on it. Um, so, you know, definitely an album 
you know, now that you mentioned 20 years, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's still very relevant for sure. I'm glad we've got someone here who's just a few years younger than us, Mike, because I think what I'm realizing is that like high school, college albums uh, are the hardest ones for me to to sort of evaluate. Because I think like everything was the greatest in that in that moment in time. Like I, I remember hearing some of that in Daryl's voice when when he was talking about Kanye's album and like. 2010 he was 15 or something and like you know there was nothing greater right yeah um uh and this for me like feels somewhat like that like how can this not be exceptional (laughs) year 2000 you know everything was new and exciting and innovative and y2k was right around uh, you know we'd survived yeah (laughs) um and i don't quite know how to like apply that to today i i think this probably that line from the the year in review that you talked about, um, I my hunch is that Radiohead still has the same sort of polarizing effect. That some people think it's exceptional, and other people are like, it, you know, it's just a bunch of people making noise at their instruments. Like, it's not real music. Um, and and so, I don't know. There's always going to be a place for music like this, but my hunch is that this will be something that in a few generations will sound a little bit, I think like the way we listen to um, what's a good example of the albums we've gone through so far. Uh, how about velvet underground? That's, and Nico? that's what I was going to say. Uh, like something that like was changed music at the time. Uh, you know, all the music nerds, nerds loved it. Uh, but now we sort of look back and think like, that that was great. Uh, it's kind of weird, but um, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that same yeah. sort of thing happening to Radiohead uh, in another couple decades. Um, yeah, that's that's. I mean, yeah. I think this is slightly more accessible, but I think you're absolutely right, yeah. and that's what I was going to say. Is that I think this has influenced the music we listen to today far more than anybody realizes or wants to give it credit. I think that they're yeah. a band that embraced the electronic nature of music far earlier than many other bands around them at the time and if you think about how electronic our music is today some of the most popular artists of the day uh, thinking you know in the last year someone like Billie Eilish her and her brother make it all from behind their computers uh, you know almost exclusively and other bands who have been doing that for years I think that they were way ahead of the curve on that. Not that they were the only band or that they were the first to, to use electronics in this way. But I think that as a fairly straightforward rock band and alt rock band in the nineties, uh, they really heavily embraced this. And I think if not the music itself and the songs themselves, certainly the influence and the path they started on, uh, was influential and I think that the feel of it's very relevant and I think mm-hmm. also the what you the word you used Ben and, and Cameron you're talking about this uh, melancholy I mean it's been a bit of a melancholy year <laughs> so discussing this right <laughs> now feels 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 um, timely and there are ups yeah. and downs on this album Uh uh, and this year has had its ups and downs, but has in general been melancholy and challenging. So I think it fits well. <laughs> um, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, how about um, the ranking? Let's start. With, we'll go. We'll start with you, Ben, and go to Cam. This. So this was ranked number sixty-seven in the twenty twelve list, and now is bumped up to number twenty. Uh, how do you feel about that, Ben? This list so far has not necessarily included anything like this, and yet I think hmm. Radiohead's been a big part of the last few decades of music. So I'm glad they've got some representation here in the just eking into the top twenty. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if this fell off uh, a little bit more in in yeah, future re rankings, or even that it moved up slightly. Um, I think it's here because it's great, but also because of its influence. And and those albums are, are tricky to know what to do with when it when sort of they've created waves that have um, gone far beyond even the sound they created. 
uh, I think this 2020 list downplays some of the stuff that was included in previous lists just for their influence and tries to lift up stuff that's a little bit more relevant and current. And I think Radiohead probably is caught in between those two sort of lists mm. uh, being pulled in two different directions. It's fascinating to me that it's, that it's risen uh, to this point. Um, and I'm curious, uh, it, it's risen meteorically from the 2003 list. I guess the album was only three years old at the time, but it was all the way down at 428 oh, okay. in that original Rolling Stone um, list. So um, yeah, interesting that it's that it shot up that much in, in these three iterations. Cam, how do you feel about the, the ranking? And it can be hard if you're not as familiar with the list, but uh, just given just in general. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not super familiar with the list, but, you know, this is definitely, um, you know, I'm, uh, I guess kind of surprised, but also not, um, it's one of my favorite albums. Right. It would definitely, you know, normally be in the top 20 or even top 10 for my own. Um, you know, but the right, you know, as kind of you said, just kind of the influence it had and not saying that, um, you know, Radiohead's much better than anyone else. But at the time of this album, it was sort of like kind of ahead of their time oh, yeah. with the sound and just kind of taking risks as a band. Um, so that, you know, is pretty great in itself. Um, you know, and then you put, you know, what they did create, you know, kind of taking that risk and, you know, doing something different, you know, it came out to be great. So it, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied, you know, I'm glad it actually moved from Hmm. (laughs) where it was to 20. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, great move for sure. Definitely a, uh, you know, going into the that century, you know, definitely a great way to a memorable album. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I'm also I'm pleased that it's here. It's higher than I kind of thought it would, but it's also, as you mentioned, Ben, it's one of the only albums like this in the top twenty. Um, we've got Nirvana's Nevermind at number six as kind of the only other modern rock album. Like there's some classic rock, um, but this is kind of the only one, especially we talked about the, the massive increase of hip hop on this list. And it took us until into the forties on the last list to get to a hip hop album. And now in the top 20, we've, we've already gone through four in the next 10. I think we get another, uh, three hip hop albums. Uh, so to see this mixed in with that is really, really neat to me. Very interesting. And I think yeah. it's appropriate yeah. uh, given, just given the influence of it and, and kind of the, again, turning the tide from kind of that more uh, uh, acoustic guitar sound into the electronic. Absolutely. I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, I guess to add to, you know, for anyone, I guess that would maybe look at this list and maybe just look at the top 20, you kind of get a pretty wide range of different, you know, kind of music from the Beatles, Lauren Hill, um, you know, even Michael Jackson, you know, some Aretha Franklin, and then there's Radiohead. It, it is much different than any other music, you know, from what I was looking at know in the first 20 or so mm-hmm. um yeah so kind of adds a nice touch you know yeah as far as you know maybe people trying to explore new music and things like that kind of just you know just kind of a place in history you know from so i think it's pretty great sure we'd like to talk about if there's any other albums by this artist on the list and we do get to talk about them a few more times uh ben you mentioned one of your favorites okay computer comes in at number 42. Um, so that's not too far down the road. Uh, one of their earlier albums, The Benz, uh, comes in at 276. Now, it had been 111, so it actually drops down. And then uh, the album that they gave away for free, Pay What You Can, in 2007, In Rainbows, <laughs> comes in at 387. And that's it for this list. However, uh, one of their albums got dropped. Um Amnesiac was 
on the previous version at 320, but it's not on this list. So they actually, it's interesting that one, one of their albums goes up to top 20 and they get one that, that's not there anymore. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Computer had a significant rise as well. Um, the bends in, in rainbows both drop and then Nijak drops yeah. off. So it's, yeah, it's funny kind of like, uh, shifting. What are we doing with Radiohead here? Yeah, Both right? elevating them and, and dropping them down. <laughs> yeah, the... we're, we're being more specific with what Radiohead we want to claim is good. Maybe, maybe one of the editors was making a compromise. Yeah. Okay, you can take it That's off, true. but you gotta you can take Amnesiac off, but you gotta put Kid A higher. Bump up the others, yeah. Well, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, Cam, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, kind of just discuss music, especially one of my favorite albums and bands. Um, sure. You know, and for anybody listening that maybe hasn't kind of listened to this album from start to finish, I highly recommend it. You know, I think you might kind of get a different perspective on, you know, kind of just the whole album in general. So, yeah. I love that. And I, you know, Mike, you, you referenced that it's hard to find time for complete albums anymore, but I think there is something to that cam to, to sort of create some space almost as a meditative or contemplative practice to just like, okay, I'm going to block out the next, what is it? Uh, it's a pretty short album too. It's less than an hour. 47 yeah. minutes. So I'm going to yeah. take the next 47 minutes to just listen to this one thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a good, Good idea, especially during a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of us have nothing but time. So, if right. you have, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much, Cam. What do we got coming up next time, Mike? Well, next time, um, if you've listened to us before, you know that when we finish reviewing 10 albums, we like to go back and re rank. So, that's what we'll be doing. We'll be re ranking albums 11 to 20. And then the week after that, we'll be discussing album number 21, which is Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. So until that time, we want to, again, thank you, Cam, for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time on SoundLogic Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.